ask that you remain standing. And if you have your Bibles, we are going to be reading out of Luke chapter 8 this morning. Luke chapter 8, we stand in honor of God for worship. We stand in honor for God uh, as we read his word here. And so if you agree, after the reading of God's word, with God's word, I'm going to say this is the word of the Lord. And your response, if you agree with that, is just say thanks be to God. Uh, Verse 4 is where we will begin today. And when a great crowd was gathered and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among the thorns and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And he said these things, he called out, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 9, and when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares of, and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that in the good soil, they are those hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart, and bearing fruit with patience. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Well, church, it's so good to be here this morning. We're glad that you're here. I'm honored to be here uh, with you. Uh, I'm thankful that RC allows me to uh, preach from time to time and fill his pulpit. And I am just, I've counted a privilege and an honor to be here, not only to preach this morning, but we're starting a new series uh, today at all of our LifePoint campuses called Kingdom Secrets, Kingdom Secrets. And so you may think, what in the world does that mean? We have a logo with a key on it. What in the world? Well, this morning, uh, we are starting a series where we are going to be diving in the parables, the stories of Jesus, where he is sharing with folks uh, these, these stories, these parables. And, and if you are around church world long enough, you've heard the word parable. And the word parable is, it's, a, it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning, an earthly story in a heavenly meaning, uh, with a heavenly meaning. And Jesus is telling these stories, these parables, uh, particularly with a singular focus as he's sharing these things. He's, he's telling these stories to the saints, these true believers would understand them, but they would sound like riddles. They would sound like puzzles. They would sound almost mysterious to the people that he was teaching them to. And in fact, even the disciples thought this way in Luke chapter eight. Look at verse nine when he says, and when his disciples asked him, what does this parable meant? He said, to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. 
So this morning, as we start out our series through uh, the, the kingdom secrets, this morning, we are going to look at the secret of the soils, the secret of the soils, as we have read in Luke. And, and this particular parable is found in three out of the four gospels. Anytime we see repetition in scripture, I think God wants us to really lean in, obviously, to the entirety of God's word, but we see this over and over. There's something that he really wants us to pick out. And I've heard it said as we dive into this that what we hear determines how we respond. What we hear determines how we respond. Have you ever heard a quarterback uh, hear a, uh, throw a play out there to his offense? I don't know if you've ever heard that. Uh, I, I read one the other day about Aaron Rodgers was, was giving this play. And he'd say, east, right, flop, V right, all the way outside, Y left, fake 396, V hinge, Z pack, hike. I hear that and I'm going, huh? What? What in the world? And the offense is over there going, oh yeah, we're doing this play. We're scoring right now. And I'm going, what in the world? They understood everything that he had to say because when you hear something and right, uh, rightly understand it, it makes sense. What we hear determines how we respond. What we hear determines how we respond. In this first parable that Jesus shares with us, about these four different soils. And in Matthew and Mark's account, Jesus is being followed by a large crowd. And what he typically does, he's, he likes to share, he likes to teach, he likes to preach. So he gathered the, the crowd on a hillside and he got in a boat and pushed out along from the shoreline. And the reason he would do this was, was he would be teaching this crowd, but he knew that he wanted the whole crowd to hear what he had to say. So he used the, the, the ricochet of his voice off the water as an amplifier to share this out with the crowd so more people could hear what he is having to say. And as he's uh, teaching this parable, oftentimes when Jesus taught parables, he would look around and use examples from what was around. So as Jesus is on the, on the boat, he would see all the farmland that would be around the sea as he's teaching because farms would be closer to the water, obviously, to get nutrients and water to the fields. And so, so he would see this farmland and he could have seen, I, I, I kind of think that Jesus, as he's teaching, as he's getting ready to teach, sees a farmer and he's seeing this farmer broadcast his seed out onto the field. And as this seed is falling, it falls in four different types of soils, and he uses this moment to teach the crowd this story, but only a few of them are going to understand. He taught us this, this to share this kingdom secret, and we have three main components, right, in this story. There's, there's the sower, which would be Jesus or the person sharing the gospel. There would be the seed, which is the word of God, which is the gospel, and there would be the soil, and that soil is the heart or ear in which the gospel would land. And so Jesus is teaching this. And, and so in essence, Jesus is saying everyone hears the same thing, the same gospel. They hear what comes out, but they respond differently. And what are they hearing? And so Jesus wants to tell us in chapter 8. So we see four different soils. The first soil that the seed falls upon is the hard soil. We see this in verse 5. Verse five, <clears throat> we could call this soil the soil of condemnation. First, Jesus tells us that the seed is sown along a path, right? 
Jesus says in verse 12 that this soil represents those who hear the word, but they don't receive it so they can be saved. Their hearts are basically like a well-traveled road that the ground is packed by being trampled by all the feet that would be upon it. I don't know about you, you've been in those moments where you've shared the gospel with someone, you share the good news, and they just don't want anything to do with it. They, they just push it away or they say, it's not for me. And honestly, at the end of the day, that can be so discouraging, can it? It can, it can be so discouraging. And, and you can sit, man, I was a failure and I, I just didn't do it right. What if I said something different? But here in a sense, Jesus is encouraging us. He's saying some of that, that seed that goes out is going to fall on a hard soil. That reception is normal. It could be normal. I mean, think about it. People rejected the words that came out of our Savior's mouth. Why do you think they wouldn't do that with ours? Why would would you think they wouldn't do it with ours? So, So maybe the real question is, why are they rejecting the gospel? Why do they not want anything to do with the good news of Christ? And it could be that they hear condemnation. They could hear condemnation. Did you notice in verse five that the seed is trampled underfoot and the birds come and devour it? As Jesus is pushed away and as he's uh, uh, preaching, he sees the farmer, he sees the, the sower sowing seed in the field. There would be birds that would fly all around this area of, uh, of the, the sea as they are migrating And then he would see and he would use these birds as an analogy. He would say that these birds would come down and trample the seed or or grab the the seed that would be on the ground. Verse 12 goes on to say that the devil takes that seed away from them and, and they don't believe it. Their hearts are so hardened. The people that hear this gospel are so hardened to the gospel. Even the gospel bounces off this dry soil of their heart. And why is this? And it could be that the evil one is allowing them to hear something that's not there. They hear this condemnation. They hear uh, the gospel condemning them of their sins. When my daughter was younger, my oldest daughter was younger, uh, you might have a child that has something like this. Uh, She had this thing called a blankie. Any of your kids have a blankie? And that blankie had to go everywhere. Some of you are looking around like, oh yeah. So, so like this blankie had to go everywhere with Lily. She had to take it to grandma's house. She had to take it on vacation. She had to take it in the car. She had to go everywhere with blankie and blankie had to be there. And if she left it at home, she would scream until I turned around and go back. You know, dad's what I'm talking about. You know that moment. You're like, if we're just two miles out of the driveway. We got to, I'll turn around. Okay. And so you turn around. If she didn't have it, she'd scream and cry. And when we share this news about the gospel, you think about it. The, we're share, what does the gospel mean? The gospel means good news, right? Well, you can't have good news without bad news. And people hear this bad news and they hear this condemning. They hear this, well, I have to give away everything. I have to give up everything. And they think, well, I'm a good person. My character will allow me to get to heaven. That, that should be enough. And, and when we share this, it's like a security blanket. They hear that I, I can't have that stuff anymore. I, I don't want anything to do with that. They hear condemnation and they hear that they can't do what they've done. And so that there's dry hearts don't respond the way they actually get offended to the gospel. And offended people give a deaf ear. They don't want to hear it. 
And so Jesus says that sometimes the soil will fall upon, or sometimes the seed will fall upon a hard soil, but he goes on to the next one. He says, sometimes the seed will fall upon the rocky soil. Most of you know, some of you know that I moved here about five years ago from Georgia. And, uh, and I love it in Tennessee, um, except for in the fall, because I have to endure a song over and over and over. And part of the song, it says that uh, good old Rocky Top, and there's a response. What is that response? Good old Rocky Top. You can do it in church, all right? Rocky Top, you'll always be home sweet home to me. Good old Rocky Top. I know your song. Come on now. Your response will be, woo, that's what you're supposed to do. Might be bored Georgia fans in the crowd. You can say amen, but here's the deal. But I didn't fully understand that till I moved here to Tennessee. I didn't understand that because I didn't understand that just under the soil here is so much rock. And in fact, we, we name streets and communities after how much rock is around, right? We have Rocky Fork and Rock Springs and Rock Vale and Rocky Glade. There's so many rocks around here. And so when Jesus in verse six is talking about the rocky soil, I think this, he might be thinking the soil of no suffering, the soil of no suffering. It's common, just like here in Israel, for the ground to be fertile on top and just underneath the soil, there would be a layer of stone. And what would happen is the plants would, would go in and they would grow and they would go grow fast because all the nutrients would hit really hard. But when they would grow up, the sun would burn them out because they didn't have roots that grew down deep. Didn't have roots that grew down deep. Deep. And when I think about the, the soil of no suffering, the people hear the gospel that, that would say that when you get saved, there's no trials, there's no tribulations, there's no issues, there's no problems. And they hear this and when something happens, they say, hold up, I, I thought I received Jesus and, and it was all supposed to be rainbows and roses. And when they have a, a tribulation or trial, they, they fall away. They fall down, and unfortunately, they heard a gospel that promises no suffering. They hear a gospel that promises no suffering. Let me, let me be clear today that the gospel has nothing to do with a lack of suffering. It has everything to do with a Savior who loved us enough to give his own life for us and to forgive us of our sins. It has everything to do with that. The, I think about the plant that would have this this water that would suck up the nutrients really fast and that, that heat of the sun would actually burn them from the inside out. And I think about us, that, that people who hear that gospel, that gospel that says everything's gonna be fine, but yet when tribulation comes, they, they can't take the heat and they fall away. I was thinking about someone who knows us really well, and that's our lead pastor. Our lead pastor has gone through trial after struggle, after suffering, after suffering. I was, had the privilege of hanging out with him the other night, and we were just talking about things, how things are going, how he's doing. And I was just reminded of his faithfulness to the Lord. He's saying, Ryan, when I go through this, I have to remind myself how good God is. And I was so encouraged by that. And I think about 
this sermon, I knew I was preaching the sermon today and I was thinking about all the people that hear this promise of, man, I, everything's gonna be great if I just ask Jesus to save me and that's not what it's all about. I mean, you think about what Jesus did. Jesus rode in to Jerusalem on Sunday and what did the people do? They laid down the palm branch, branches and they were shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And in just a few short days, those same people would be standing on the ground as Jesus would be on the steps and they would be shouting, crucify him, crucify him. Because in their mind, they were expecting a Messiah that was gonna be coming and wielding a massive sword and take out all their enemies and everything would go great. But what did he do? He did the exact opposite. He came as a humble servant and laid his life down for them. I mean, in Matthew's account of this, this parable, he says that tribulation or persecution will come. Luke says times of testing. And when I think about, when I think about American history, when I think about Christianity and the scope of American history, I, it, 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 it has been a, a fairly positive one, or at least at the, very, at the very most, a neutral one. Christianity has been neutral to people, but I think those days are long gone. I think times of tribulation, I think times of testing, I think times of trial are going to come. And at some point, we will be persecuted for our faith. I truly believe that. You will be required to stand up unapologetically and share what Christ has done for you. And you have to be bold about it. You will lose promotions at work. You will be maligned by your coworkers. You won't have the opportunities and the same chances that everybody else around you will have because you are standing up for the truth of the gospel. You will lose those things and it's only going to get tougher. As the LGBTQ movement expands, as abortion rights keep coming up in the news, you won't have the same, you won't have the same opportunities. I mean, God's word consistently gets taken out of context. And you will have a choice to stand up for truth or go, no, you know what? I'll just, I'll just kind of go with the flow. What does God stay here? We have to, we, we can't be like this. I heard a story a couple weeks ago about a, uh, an NBC affiliate in Mobile, Alabama was sharing about this, this uh, teenager that went to go be a part of a Pokemon tournament, a Pokemon tournament. And he gets to the desk and he's going to check in. And as he's checking in, the people ask him what his preferred pronouns were and he laughed at them. And, he, and because he laughed at them, he was told that he could not participate in the tournament. I don't know if that kid was a Christian, but I do know that it's only going to get tougher for Christians. People who hear the gospel that promises no suffering won't last long because their roots aren't dug deep into who God is. The roots aren't dug deep. And when the sun comes and the wind blows, they will topple over. And let me say this, moms and dads, I implore you, I implore you, if, if you are not discipling your kids through the word of God, I implore the, you that you start today. You have to start today. 
Our teenagers, our students, our kids are being inundated by the world and it's not going to stop. And if they are not grounded in the truth of scripture, in the good news of who Christ is, they will fall. And moms and dads, it's up to you. It's up to you. You've got to stand firm. You've got to stand up for what you believe. You have to do it. They have to see They have to see what matters most to you. They have to see it. Not the bass boat, not the new toys, not the job, not the sports, not the big vacations. They have to see that Jesus is the most important thing to you. And I'll say this, you wanna know what your kids think is the most important thing to you? Ask them, ask them. You know what? They're gonna be so honest with you, they will tell you. And I hope that you would be prepared for the answer. Because if it's anything short of Jesus, you must investigate the motives of your heart if you're a believer. You have to. We have to. We have to stand up. We have to stand up for truth. We have to fight for our kids. We have to fight for our families. And if we, do, if we don't listen, someone's gonna win. Someone's gonna win the heart of our children. And if we do not stand up for truth, the world will snatch them away. And I'm gonna tell you, my family, as it is for my family, I'm not gonna let that happen. And I don't want that to happen to you as well. Moms and dads, we gotta fight. Families, we gotta fight for the truth. Because here's the deal. There's another type of soil that we see here in God's word. We see the thorny soil. This soil could be the soil of easy believism. This soil is full of weeds that rob the plant of nutrients. They grow up next to the plant that will eventually rob the plant and kill the plant out. Jesus tells us this in verse 14, that the soil represents those who hear the gospel, but the cares of the world end up killing their faith, killing their faith. And I think about these people as both and people. They hear the gospel, they hear the good news and they receive it. And they think that they can simply just add Jesus to their lives. I'll take Jesus and I'll have this too. And we'll just roll, roll this out together. They don't need, they make Jesus their savior, but they don't make Jesus their Lord. They don't make Jesus their Lord. They'll sacrifice anything for the American dream. They'll go to church on Sunday. They'll do the right things. They'll say that they'll, they'll look like they'll play the part, but their priorities throughout the week are not through Christ. One thing I hear as being a pastor, I hear these things from families say, my, my family can't make it to church this Sunday or my family, my family, uh, my kids can't go to church on Wednesday night or my, 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 I can't be a part of a small group or I can't be a part of a D group because we have, we've made a commitment to do these things, but they made a commitment to work or made a commitment to a sport or made a commitment to do this or that, or all these other things. Uh, your commitment to ball, your commitment to studies, your commitment to work, your commitment to chasing that American dream is on the forefront. But, but let me ask you, what about your commitment to Christ? If he has saved you, you have, he, you've made a commitment to serve him. What happened? What happened? We see all these things and we want to teach our kids to be committed kids. Parents, we got to, I go back. Parents, we've got to teach our kids to be committed to Christ. And that starts with you. Are you committed with Christ? Are you committed to Christ?
It starts with us, and we have to think about this. My fear, my fear is that too many people want to make Jesus their Savior and not their Lord, and they miss heaven by 18 inches. They miss heaven by the distance between their head and their heart. They have it up here, and think, oh yeah, I've, I got it figured out. I, I, know what, I know what to do. I know what to say. I know what, but they haven't locked it in here. And therefore, they're on that thorny soil. We, we'll sing that song. I halfway decided to follow Jesus. Or we'll say, okay, I want to be baptized, but I'm going I'm to hold my arm out and I'm going to hold on to my wallet. Or we'll say, Jesus, I'll go wherever you tell me to go except for there. Can't be that way. If you heard a gospel that makes no requirements from you, the things of this world will choke you out and you will fall away. And you'll shrivel up and you'll die. And that's, that's not what we want. We, that's not, Jesus is talking to us here. And so he shares these three soils, but... He makes a shift in verse eight. After talking about these three bad soils, he talks about the good soil. When the seed falls on good soil, a fruitful life will be produced. That seed that falls on the good soil doesn't hear a gospel of condemnation. They don't say, this is going to protect me from all the trials and tribulations. They, they, they didn't hear the gospel of fire insurance. They, they, uh, they didn't hear the gospel, I can have my own pleasures. They heard a gospel of a, a holy, perfect God sent his son Jesus who was perfect spotless lamb to die on the cross that we deserve and to be put in a tomb and raised from the dead and and to prove that we have life and to give us life and not just a life that's just, just easy to be lived out but a life that's fruitful. This good soil. It's interesting what Matthew and Mark said. Even Luke says it here that They'll receive a 100-fold return, an abundance of return. I think this shows us the power of the, the seed. It's, way, it, it, it's able to return way more than we could ever think or imagine. I think about the first three soils, and what do they have in common? What do those first three soils have in common? That seed that's planted on those soils, those soils lead to death. But where does this fourth one lead? This fourth one leads to life and life abundantly. This fruitful life. And we think, okay, what is fruit? What is the fruit that comes out of this? What is this fruitful life? Well, it could be converts. God will give you that desire to share that that fruit out to others, that good news out to others, that others, and you're not responsible for how they hear it. You're casting that seed out, but he's going to, he's going to bless that. It could be through comfort. It could be the things that you do, the good works that, that you do. And it's not because of what you, you checking off a list. It's the overflow of what God's done in your life. That's, it could be spiritual fruit. What, what do we, what does Paul tell us that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I mean, if you're a believer in Christ, you have fruit of righteousness in your life. 
And it's clear. I mean, let, let's, let's face it. Unbelievers can have some of this fruit. You can see a person who's totally joyful or you can see uh, someone who's full of love in their heart. But here's the deal. They can't, they can't have all of those attributes because all of those attributes only come from the, in, the indwelling of the spirit inside of a believer of Christ. What a gift. What a gift we have in the Holy Spirit living in us. Wow. And I think about these soils. Uh, when we hear these things, we could think to ourselves, okay, is Jesus teaching us that someone can lose their salvation? Is, is someone, uh, we see these soils that the second and third soil sprout something. Doesn't that mean that they were saved? Doesn't that mean that, what does that mean? And, and it sounds like these middle two lost their salvation. And I wanna make, I wanna look at two points out of that and just in response of that. I, I would argue, number one, that that's not what the point of this is for Jesus' teaching. This passage isn't a complete explanation of salvation. He gives four types of responses of people that hear the gospel. Number two, I think we can go other places in scripture to see that once we are saved, we are always saved. That people can't lose their salvation, but there are points where people may appear to be Christians, people may appear to be followers of Christ, but they weren't believers at all. John, Jesus' best friend, says this in 1 John chapter 2. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. There seems to be clear evidence, clear evidence in God's word that those who leave the faith were never truly saved. And that's hard, that's hard to hear, I, I get it, but that's what God's word says. They showed some sign, signs of, of, of testing or, uh, excuse me, they show some signs of faith, but testing or pleasures pulled them away. And this is one of the toughest things. This is one of the hardest things. I see a, I see a teenager who will make a decision at camp and they say, yeah, I, I want Jesus to save me. And man, they'll get home. They'll get home and they'll get back to their cell phones or get back to their friendships or they'll get back to their groups. They'll get back to school. Or I see families or I've seen parents who say, yeah, I wanna follow Christ, but they'll get back to their job. They'll get back to the, the American dream trying to chase that thing and they'll fall away. And it, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart. Because they, they don't see the goodness of our God truly. But when I read this, I have to be reminded that this gospel sometimes is gonna fall on one of these types of soils. So I must not lose heart. I have a responsibility to keep on sharing. I have a, a responsibility to keep on telling. And so do you. If you are a saint, if you are a follower of Christ, you have a responsibility to, we, we must persevere. We must persevere. Because I think about those who, who don't follow Christ, they don't follow, there's something pulls them away or they get choked out. When they die, they will hear the hardest sentence that they will ever hear when they stand before the Lord. When he says, depart from me, I'll, for I've never knew you. 
I shot. That breaks my heart. And so for a believer, as a saint, we must persevere. Wayne Grudem, he's a theologian. He defines perseverance as this. He's, he says that all those who are truly born again will be kept by God's power and will persevere until the end of their lives. And that only those who persevere until the end have truly been born again. Did you catch that last part? That last part of what he says, if you don't persevere, you were never truly saved. And I know that's hard hearing. I, I, I get it. But perseverance is one of the key indicators of someone who is a believer of Christ. Luke tell, Jesus tells us in Luke 8, as for that in the good soil, they are those who hearing the word hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with Patience. That word patience also could be translated perseverance. It could be translated perseverance. And true Christians are persevering people. Why do we persevere? Why do we stand firm? Why do we keep on going and do not fade away or get burned by the, the sun or all this testing that comes and, and, and die and get choked out by the pleasure because true believers persevere? We stand firm. We've heard a true gospel of a true God who loved us enough to die for us. There's nothing, there's nothing that we can bring to the table. It's all of what he has done. Now think about what's different between what we believe and what other religions believe. This is not about what we have to do to gain acceptance from God. It is all what he has done for us. And this isn't about a religion. This is about a relationship. And the creator of the universe wants a relationship with us. How amazing is that? How amazing is that we can spend time with our heavenly father every day. We can talk to him and he will talk to us. He will share things through his word to us, giving us guidance, helping us persevere against everything around us that's coming in us at, from this world. I don't know about you, but I want to stand firm. I want to stand firm on my faith. And so when we think about this, it requires full devotion. It requires full devotion to him. When I, when I think about the people in this room and about our, the people that come to our campuses, I mean, it's, it's really safe to say that there are some people in here that are on that hard soil. There's some people in here that do not want anything to do with the things of the Lord. And my prayer has been since, my prayer has been since I've, I knew I was preaching this, my prayer has been this morning that the Holy Spirit would break that soil loose, that you would hear the good news of Christ and you would want what he has for your life. He's so much better than anything this world has to offer. And I think about there, there, there are some in here that think they are saved, but yet, they're on the rocky soil or they're in the thorny soil. And when we're sitting here today, I, I think it's easy to kind of wonder where we are. Well, Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians that we ought to examine ourselves. He says, examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Or do you realize, do you not realize that this about yourselves, that Christ is in you? unless you indeed fail to meet the test. 
And so let me, as we kind of end our time here today, let me, let me ask some diagnostic questions as we, as we sit here. First, do you have anger towards God? When something comes in your life, a trial or tribulation comes at you, do you get angry towards the Lord? Do you ask him, why am I going through this, God? Are you, are you thinking that, that you received the gospel under false uh, pretenses that, man, I'm, I thought I was saved. I shouldn't have to go through any of this hard stuff. That, that could be where you are. And you, you, you see that God is not fulfilling his promises in your life, and so you're just angry at him. Maybe someone else. Second, you're, you're gener- are you generous with your time? Are you generous with your possessions? Are you generous with your money? Thorny soil per, uh, people don't produce fruit because they're chasing stuff. They're chasing money. They're greedy. They only give two or three percent, just like most Americans do, and, and that's that's a problem. 2% of our time, money, possessions, all these things. And if that's you, that might mean that you're on thorny soil. Third, uh, do you lack assurance of God's love? Do you lack assurance of God's love? Both rocky and thorny soil people will doubt the Father's love for them because they can't avoid suffering or they're reminded of their past, or they haven't found God's love to be all-sufficient. They haven't found it to be better than money, or things, or pleasure. And so, when we think about the gospel, hearing the gospel, the only obvious answer is the good news of what Jesus has done for us, and that God loves us despite trials, despite our sufferings, despite our sin, that his son died a horrible death that we might have life. And that today we don't have to stay in that hard soil. We don't have to stay on the rocky soil. We don't have to stay around the thorny weeds that grow up around us in that thorny soil. We can be planted in the seed of the gospel can be planted in good soil in our lives today. It can, it can. And this gift is free. That seed that the sower throws is free. And this morning, I just, I wanna take a moment to investigate what soil that we are in. So I wanna, here's what I wanna ask you to do. I wanna ask, we do this in church world from time to time. Uh, the person up front asks you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And there's nothing magical about that moment. Nobody's going to steal your wallet, by the way. Everything's good. The reason we do that is just so that we can get focused. So I'm going to invite you. Would you, would you bow your heads and close your eyes? There's nothing, nothing going on around you. Just focus in. And I just want to, want to kind of lead you through a prayer. I want you to ask some things of the Lord where you are right now. And it's going to take boldness. It's going to take boldness. And I would ask that you would ask the Lord what, type of soil is the soil of your heart? Is the soil of your heart hard soil? Have you rejected the gospel, the good news of Jesus? Is it rocky soil? The roots haven't dug deep. Is it 
thorny soil, the things of this world, this easy believism has choked you out. If you're so bold to ask him, he loves you enough to tell you because he wants this gospel to land in the good soil. He wants this gospel to grow. Today, I know for a fact if that gospel lands in one of those three soils, there is hope, there is good news. That if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. And that gospel can land on good soil. And if you receive that message, that good news of Christ in your heart, that will lead to an abundant life with him. For some of you in here, that, that seed has landed on good soil and you, the, the Lord has told you that the soil of your heart is good. My encouragement to you today would be to lean into the Father. Lean into the one who wants to fertilize that soil. Wants you to grow in him. Wants you to have an abundant life that's fruitful not saying that trials won't come, not saying that the wind's not gonna blow, not saying that the storms of life might not come at us. I'm not saying that at all. But when they do, when times of persecution come, when times of struggle come, when times of suffering come at us, we will be able to stand firm because our roots are dug deep in him and planted in him, in that good soil. So, Father, today, my prayer is that just as Jesus says, he who has ears, let him hear, that we would hear today your word, that you would show us where we are today, God, that you would open up our hearts to follow you you would open up our hearts to receive your goodness and your grace. There's nothing we can do to add to our salvation. It's all through you, King Jesus. Lord, we love you. We thank you for the cross. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you for the gospel.